0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's word. Thank you, ladies. God bless you. Had a wonderful time here in Corpus Christi. And I uh, thank you for everything that y'all have done for us in the room and all the goodies. And of course, uh, I always enjoy coming here, being with Brother Che, Pastor Che, doing a wonderful job, and I uh, love he and his family, extended family. And uh, I certainly love them very much, Enjoyed being Brother Angel. Of course, uh, Brother Angel has been teaching at our college for 25 years now, every week. Some people think because of that uh, he's, we get to spend a lot of time together and we, we just never do. He's, he's running one way, I'm running another way. We don't get to do that very often. And so when we do get, we preach together quite a bit and our, our children marry each other from both churches. We've done a lot of weddings together, but we don't get to fellowship a whole lot because of our schedules and busyness. But uh, it's always a joy to be with him. We have a good time and it's good to laugh a little bit. Some of you ought to learn that, it'll help you. Mary Hart do it good like a medicine, you ought to try it. Be good, but you pray for us, we, we gotta leave here and go to South Texas, and then we gotta go to uh, Beeville, and then we gotta go to San Antonio two Sundays in a row, and then we gotta go to Abilene, and then uh, I was telling Brother Angel, we're gonna get back, uh, we have a, a farm in Iowa where we shoot those giant white and uh, I've been doing archery now for 35 years, and we, we're gonna get back there after seven months. Hadn't been home in seven months. He said, are you living on the road? I said, yeah, I'm living out of a suitcase like a gypsy, and so dragging my poor wife around, and then, and then we won't be back in Tennessee. Got a place in Tennessee, won't be back in Tennessee till May, after May, so. It's crazy. It's a crazy schedule. But anyway, if you were not here this morning, uh, Brother Angel preached a classic. I told him he needs to preach that all across the country. It's a classic. You need to get it. And uh, it it helped me tremendously. And and, uh, I hope you get it. He's a good preacher. And he's been coming for 25 years. Think about that back and forth. Faithful, teaching the young men. And I certainly appreciate it. Now, but I couldn't follow him a while ago. He kept talking about, you know, the scriptures, the scriptures. And uh, I did something. I don't know. I just, I just grabbed it. I, I have uh, Dr. Oliver B. Green. I have his library. He was one of my heroes and his son contacted me when we had to college. And he said, I understand dad was your hero. He said, I'd like to do something to college. And we have his library. And so I have one of his Bibles. I'm going to preach out of it. One of his Bibles. And uh, I, I, you got the whole new Testament tore up and, and I got to Romans chapter 3 and turned. There was no chapter 4. The old man must have ate chapter 4 because I can't find it nowhere. So I couldn't base nothing on the scripture. I don't know what you said tonight. But anyway, so uh, it's amazing, man. Those old men are something they tore their Bibles up. But anyway, but the preacher preached on prayer a lot. And you've heard that if you've been here a few times to preach on prayer. I want to just say this, and I'll get into preaching in a minute. I saw an interview that was very interesting, uh, Brother Angel, that uh, a fellow was doing an interview with a Satanist, a woman that was a Satanist. She said, and I saw this just, just within the last several days, and she said that she had actually met Satan. Now some people in this room, is crazy, they don't believe, that's why they, you talk about the adversary, they don't even believe the adversary. But there is an adversary that absolutely wants to destroy you and he'll do it by getting you to doubt God or His Word. And so she said, uh, and you don't believe in in some of these things of entering into portals with Satan and be able to open it. It's a fourth dimension, folks. It's right there. It's not very far. And there are people that are in the rock concert and people that are in that that actually entered into that fourth dimension, the spirit world. Mm Mm-hmm. This lady said she did. She said, and I was the head of a, a big group, and she said, I would learn how to astro And she'd leave her body. She said she'd go around. She said, and when she met Satan, she said, our trajectory of our, of our program changed, and we began to then focus on ministers and preachers to destroy Christians. So we went from dis- deceiving the world, as the preacher talked about deception, the worst deception is self-deception She said well, we went from that to then focusing on christians and especially preachers she said we would then induce the spirit of lust if anybody in this room has keep up with anything there's preachers and christians falling like crazy in this matter of morality and she said she we would do that and she said but there was something strained now she's a christian now she's born again she said, uh, Something happened. She said, And I just got saved by the grace of God. And she gave a good testimony about being saved. And she's doing this interview with a preacher. And she said this, as Brother Angel talked about prayer. She said, When, when I'd ask to reject, and we'd go around doing these things, these dirty deeds, of the demons and stuff that you do. She said, When we'd find a group of Christians praying, she said it was like a, a blue dome, a, a, a blue dome over them, a protection. And I I asked Kim, I said, what is that dome in Israel, that iron dome they have to protect them from, right? Right. But she said there was a blue dome around Christians that were praying. She said, we had absolutely no power over those people. And it dawned on me that Satan lost. I'm on the wrong team. That I need to be on that team because Satan was already defeated. By the power of God and by prayer. She said, that made me begin to think. And then she got connected and she understood that the gospel of Jesus Christ and got saved. So I thought that was interesting. And preachers, the one thing we're lacking more than anything in the world is this matter of prayer. And I just thought, thought I'd, I'd, I'd give you that tonight because, uh, because he's been preaching on prayer a lot, and that's good. Now, I'm retired. I retired two years ago, pastor the same church for 40 years and um, had a wonderful time doing it and loved the people very much. But when you're retired, you're different. How many are retired here? You raise your hand, you're retired. Let me read you this here. Uh, The other day I went downtown uh, uh, to run a few errands. I went to the local coffee shop for snacks. I was only in there for five minutes. And when I came out, a cop was writing a ticket, a parking ticket. And I said, come on, man, Uh, You know, how about giving a retired person a break? He ignored me and continued to write the ticket. And his sensitivity annoyed me, so I called him a Nazi. He glared at me and wrote another ticket for worn tires. So I proceeded to call him a donut-eating Gestapo. (laughs) He finished writing the second ticket and put it on the windshield and wrote a third one. And when I called him a moron in blue, he wrote it again. and, And he said it went on for 20 minutes. He just kept writing tickets. The more I'd aggravate him and the more I'd talk, to him, the more tickets he wrote. And personally, I didn't care because I came downtown in a bus and the car that he was putting the tickets on, (laughs) the car he was putting the tickets on had one bumper sticker that said Biden on it, 24. (laughs) said, I have, I, I tried to have a little fun every day since I'm retired. The doctor tells me it's important for my health. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter four in your Bibles, please. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. Y'all have been so very kind and we love you very much. I hope that you take advantage of the book table. Please, if you would, we carry those things around. They're good helps and it'll help you. It will. Do not ever do not ever take reading of the books for the reading of the Scriptures as the preacher said. So very important. The, way, the reason we have people deceived in going to these chunky church, chunky cheese churches is because they don't know the Scriptures. And then when they go to those churches, they're never taught the Scriptures, so they don't know any different. At Northwest Bible Baptist Church, we have some of the largest rock and roll churches in the United States all around our church in Elgin. They'll come in our back door and as soon as they come through the door, they'll just stop and whoever invited them said, man, we feel God in this place. Now think about that for a minute. And they'll sit there and I'll talk about John 3, you must be born again. They'll lean over and said, what does that mean? They don't even know what born again is. And they've been a member of that church 15 and 20 years, somebody in rock and roll church. Never heard, never read John chapter three, but never heard being born again. That is so extremely sad. Are y'all listening to me now? Those folks that end up in hell being ignorant and those preachers will answer for it. Scripture is so very important. Bathe yourself in it, learn it, memorize it, and more so live it. Second Corinthians, if you would please. And I hope I had these scriptures in my Bible here. I hope that <laughs> Dr. Green didn't eat them. Uh, pick it up in chapter four, second Corinthians chapter four, pick it up in verse seven, if you would please. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always, watch it, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according that is written, I believe and therefore I, uh, have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up, Uh, also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things or for your sake that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound under the glory of God for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perisheth yet the inward man is renewed day by day Paul you know who I'm talking about, the guy that was shipwrecked, beat. Right, right. You, you know the guy, the, the guy that went through all of those things just short of death. Y'all with me? Read the next verse. When I read this, I just cringe for our light affliction, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not that which is seen, but that which, is, which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal." Second Corinthians chapter one in your Bibles, please. Chapter one, pick it up in verse three, if you would, blessed be the God, even our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforted us with all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we are comforted uh, ourselves or comfort of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is our consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer, for whether we be comforted, it is our consolation and salvation." It's amazing when you read down through the Word of God and really take it as the preacher just preached, that all down through this book, it talks about the Christian suffering. That is not what you're getting in TVN or your typical television religiosity, but all down through this book, it's talking about suffering. And I want to talk a little bit tonight on the ministry of suffering. My father, I pray that you'd help us, dear Lord, tonight. We thank you for all the, what we've heard, Lord, this conference. We thank you, Lord, for this church and for the good pastor that you've given them, Lord. All I can think about is the future, Lord, of this young man as God grows him and builds him, trusting that the the members of the church would encourage him and and pray for him and back him, that some great things could come here in Corpus Christi. I pray, Lord, you take this simple message tonight, very simple message tonight, but help us to understand some things that are inevitable in our lives. I pray that you do a work in our lives and hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. You may be seated. I'd like to speak on that subject, the ministry of suffering. I hear Christians often use the scripture, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But what we fail to understand many times is our need is the need to suffer. Nobody in this room will get on their knees and say, dear God, would you please send me suffering? But the truth of the matter is many times that's exactly what we need. We love the power of the resurrection. We just don't like the fellowship of his suffering, but you ain't gonna ever get his power until you fellowship with him some in suffering. And all down through the Word of God, it talks about that. God normally has a person full attention when he's suffering. Brethren, when we're on the mountaintop, we don't need anything. But we're in the valley. We're always on our face and on our knees saying, Dear God, would you please? It is true. Prayer is asking. But that's the problem. That's all we do is ask and ask and ask instead of saying, Dear Lord, we just need you. We want you. Uh, Are y'all waving tonight? And, and so, you know, it's amazing. Mountaintops are wonderful, but fruits grow in the valley. The fruit grows in the valley. I've hunted a little bit out west when, you, when you're old and fat and got football injuries, you don't do mountain hunting anymore, right? But I've been up there and we'd been on the valley, green plush and water. And I always look up there and say, man, them stinking elk are up there. We're gonna have to get a grab a bow and we take off. We got all the way to the top and there's shale up there. There's shale. And the the air is thin. It's beautiful up there, but the air is thin. You can barely breathe. And then you look back down the valley where you came from and said, man, look how beautiful it is. It's green, got water and plush. I said, man, that's where the animals should be. What are we doing up here? Fruit in the valley. You grow in the valley. Sometimes you don't grow on a mountaintop. A Bible conference like this, you hear preaching, boy, and everybody's shouting. But let me tell you, the greatest day that you'll ever have is the lowest day that we have at Grace Baptist Church at Heritage Baptist Church. Are y'all with me now? The, the worst day in a fundamental Independent Baptist church is better than any church in your area. The best day of any church in your area. The worst day here. We have the right Bible. We have the right preaching. We have the right doctrine. Are y'all with me now? Valleys are where the fruit is. You ever thought about this that in Psalms 22 we have Mount Calvary. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the crucifixion. We got Mount Calvary. You ever thought about Psalms 24, you got Mount Zion, you got two mountains in 22 and 24, and right in between there, you got Psalms 23, which is a valley. Isn't that amazing? And it talks about that, does it not? So we have the first coming in chapter 22. We have the second coming in chapter 24. And then so in chapter 22, we got the good shepherd, in 24, we got the glorious shepherd, and in 23, we got my shepherd. So it's amazing thing when we understand that between two mountains we always have a valley and the valley is where you grow and that's where the lord is my shepherd and i shall not want when you enter into the valley and the ministry of suffering god will do something for you that he'll never do in any other time of your life Now, brethren, I don't want to discourage you at all, but I'm trying to tell you right now, I preach reality right now, and I'm telling you right now, every one of you, I don't give a rip what your name is, you're going to go through a time of suffering in your life. You're going to get a phone call one day. You're going to get a diagnosis one day. And I'm simply saying that God will teach you some marvelous truths in times of suffering And the key is to learn in those valleys without complaining. All of us are good at complaining, especially when we're suffering. We love the mountaintop, we love the shout, we love the good music, we love the good preaching, but man, sometimes when you hit rock bottom and you're crashing and burning, that's when you don't wanna praise God, that's when you don't wanna shout, but that's exactly when God said, that's when you ought to shout, because I'm gonna do something for you there that I'll never do there. Are you listening now? So uh, you gotta ask, do you ever ask yourself a question, why me, why me? There's no accidents in Christian life. God always speaks to his children in various ways. We, We need to understand the ministry of suffering and we wanna shout and rejoice, but not suffering in tears. And if some of you here, you know what I'm talking about because you've been through this, when you've been on your face and you're just absolutely tore up and God is dealing with you, you're in a valley, there's something going on in your life that you can't explain and he doesn't have to explain it to you, but you're sobbing, you're weeping, and God is teaching you something and you're on your face and you look up to him and all of a sudden he begins to teach you stuff that he would never teach you anywhere else. So, you need to understand two things. Number one, realize it's coming and prepare for suffering. I've been trying to help Kim. We're dealing with her daddy. He's a hard headed German. She's German. i got some German blood, in him, French, German, and Spanish. And, and he's a hard headed German. And when he takes his shirt off, and I saw him a couple of times, whether his shirt is gross, trust me. But he has so many scars on him. I told him, I said, Ned, you'll never die of internal anything. You don't have any organs. They already took them all out. I mean he's crazy. It, I said they just should have put a zipper there and just took everything out. He got scars everywhere, man. We we took him on Thanksgiving. He was dead Thanksgiving. I put him in the truck I, the car. I said, You're going straight to the hospital, take him to the hospital. He would have died that night. He's still kicking. Nobody believes that this man is still living. I'm gonna have to take him out back 40 and shoot him in the head before he dies. But I've been trying to I've been trying to get Kim, I've been trying to get Kim prepared. She lost her mother, lost her sister, precious sister. That's one day you're gonna lose your precious daddy. Folks, listen, I'm not trying to be unkind. That's reality. If you can't handle reality, you just need to go, go ahead and end it now. That's reality. We're gonna go through those times, those hard times of suffering and losing our loved ones and things happening that we cannot explain. And when you don't, that's when people quit. That's when they cut and run. We're not prepared because we don't know the scriptures like you preach enough to understand. Just like Brother Roloff said, when you can't track him, you can always trust him. But you got to know the book to understand that folks in the Bible went through a lot. I just read you, well, Paul said this light affliction, that man went through some stuff that none of us have gone through. And yet he called it light affliction. And when I read that, when I was going through the deep waters that I was going through, I said light affliction, wow. Realize it's coming, prepare yourself. Number two, realize it's appointed by God for good. Come on, folks, talk to me. Romans 8, 28, you love to say it, don't you? Yeah, we like to quote that, but we never quote the next verse, 29. Say, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called for good. But then the next verse talks about the reason he does what he does and brings suffering to life, that we might be conformed to the image of God's son. God has a way somebody would well I guess the singer's talking about being on the on the potter's wheel I pray that often dear God never take me off the wheel right. Keep me there in Jeremiah 18 and work on me and form me into a vessel for the master's use And when you're in those deep waters of suffering Sometimes God is working on you taking stuff out of you that you need to get out of you all of us have things that we need to get out of our lives We think we're all of that when we're nothing. The truth of the matter is, if you really want to get down to it, and it's too humbling for most people, we ain't nothing but dirt balls, every one of us. Pharisees don't like that statement. That's why I make it everywhere I go. We're dirt balls, and God made that and breathed the breath of life in it. He took something as worthless as dirt and made it as priceless as a soul. What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange of it? So we're not dirt. I don't know if you know this, not when you die, that's what you're going to turn back into, dirt. Don't that make you feel good? You can put a $500 suit on, look pretty good, but you ain't nothing but dirt. And when you think you're more than that, that's when your pride comes in and you got a real problem. are y'all whipping now? Can you imagine God taking us and loving us so much, a piece of dirt, when he breathed the life in it, he made us a quickening soul? Every, every Sunday here or any time when people get born again, you need to understand that there has been a resurrection. Amen. Somebody who was dead and trespassing in trespass and sin was made alive. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I'm simply saying that everything that he does in life is to be conformed to the image of his son. So understand that whatever comes in your life, please don't shake your fist at it. Please don't thumb your nose. Please don't curse God and die. Make sure that you understand that it's there for a reason to make us more conformed to God's son. Job, he lost everything, including his 10 children. Curse God and die. No, no. I came in this world naked, leave naked. I brought nothing in this world, going out of here with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And with his lips, he never sinned. God was forming him. And as much as he was great in the sight of man, but also God's testimony, there's none like him in all the east. Think about that for just a moment. What a great man, but God still had to work on him. I'm simply saying that suffering will cause us to be conformed into the image of God's son. There's never been a time in my Christian life where I ever wanted to get closer and have his presence because I needed him so bad. When you go through the deep waters of life, now some of you precious people, I promise you that within short order, you're going to get a phone call or a diagnosis. It's going to rock your world. Who would have ever thought that the individuals I, I've tried to help down through the years, just one phone call, who would have thought that we had to sit there and go through the problems in the deep waters that Northwest did. These boys were young then. Y'all were young. Wouldn't you say you were in high school or I think you said you miss Ms. Carla died when she, in high school. It, it rocked the church. I' had just lost my financial secretary on Thursday, lost my wife on Saturday. It rocked our church the same week. I did all those funerals. rocked our world. I don't want to go into it very deeply, but I, I'm just simply saying that, man, I, I was on my face every day saying, dear God, I never asked him why. I just understood that somewhere he was forming me and her and our church to be more. You see, everybody likes the strength of Northwest. They just don't like the recipe that, that it takes to have a strong church with strong leadership. But those folks understood because they've been through some deep water too, but they went through deep water as a church because of the suffering when they lost their pastor's wife. And then all of the other members that we lose, that ought to strengthen us and make us understand that. So please, please remember this, that nothing ever comes your way that hadn't been approved of God Almighty. There is no, there is no accidents in the Christian life. So there is no, oh, so God didn't wake up one day and said, well, let's look at there, she's sick. If we understand what I'm preaching right now, you'll understand that when it comes our way, God has stamped and approved. He knows what's happening. He never woke up and said, man, look at that. He knows what's going to happen to us. He sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. And since he knows that, he's doing something for us that's going to help us if we can handle it instead of cutting and run. I'm shocked at how many... Christians will go through deep water and cut and run. You military boys, I'd hate to be in the military now knowing what we have carrying guns in our military. We need real men there, not the alphabet queer people. Yep, right. Right. Let me say it again, not the alphabet queer people. We don't need those in there. Those are the ones that will aim a gun over there. So is cute. Anyway, I'm simply saying that it's amazing. I'm, I'm telling you right now, we need to understand this thing that it's been a stamped approved of God Almighty and there's nothing that ever come to Keith Gomez that God doesn't know first. And when he sent it my way, I understood that it was for my good and for his glory. So what he's looking at, he's looking at me saying, are you going to pass the test? Are you going to learn what I'm trying to teach you? In most cases, people never learn what God is trying to teach them when they go through the deep water. We normally do several things, three things. Number one, we resent it. Why me? Uh, The second thing, we resign. We just quit everything. In fact, when I went through all of that, Kim and the people of Northwest Bible Baptist Church said, he'll come back and he'll resign and quit. And end up in evangelism. And I got to thinking, I said, I can't happen. It wouldn't be evangelism, it would be vandalism. But anyway, so I didn't know. I didn't know what to do except do the same thing I do every day get up, read my Bible, pray. And then I stood and I preached behind the pulpit, but I wouldn't touch it. And uh, it was hard for me to preach. I'd fumble around a little bit. I'd look back there where my family sat, and all my family's there, and my first wife's not there devastated me, man, even after all that period of time. Came to Texas here, hunkered down for several months. Are y'all with me, deep water, man. I'm talking about burying what died in me. I'm talking about on my face in that book and on my knees, suffering, emotionally suffering, physically suffering, spiritually suffering. And God said, I want to do something with you in the future. If you could just pass this test, most can't get past the past let me say it again most of you can't get past the past I got past, past, I'm not looking back at my old life. I'm looking at what God's doing for me now. And what I need to do is understand I don't need to resign and quit. What I need to do is rejoice in whatever God brings my way because he's doing it for a reason and it's for his glory and my good. And he's trying to make me into something that I cannot make myself. And if I just shut up long enough, he's gonna do something with me. Paul gives us three basic reasons why we suffer. I'm giving it to you real quick, basic, very basic message, but it's going to help you one day. If you get these things, it's going to help you one day and it may help you quicker than what you know. Number one, that he might be able to comfort, that we might be able to comfort others. I want you to look, if you would please, Second Corinthians chapter one, three and four, look at it. Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them, which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves, or comforted of God. Did you get that? He brings that in our lives. Listen now, not for us to whine and cry in our cereal. I'd hate to know that I went through what I did just to get pity from people. I didn't want pity from people. In fact, I never talked to anybody. I didn't want anybody around me. It's not for pity. It's for our prophet He does what he does because he's trying to form us in the image of God's son. And when he puts us through that, he wants to use what he did in our lives to help others. As soon as I got spun out of that thing, I started getting calls from preachers all over the country that were losing their wives. Larry Brown called me. I helped him through that thing, sent him a book. And now for these many years, I have sat down with a lot of preachers and laymen alike that lost their wives or even wives that lost their husband. I'm able to sit down and talk to them a little bit about what they're gonna go through and how the phases of all that's gonna take place in time and how God wants to do something with them and for them. But more than that, God wants to use them to help others that are going through the same thing. You precious ladies that are here, that's had stillbirth or even miscarriages, if you're not careful, all you're going to want is pity. When the truth of the matter is when that comes to you, you don't understand it. God doesn't have to explain nothing to us. How sad it is when we want, we want God as a little puppet. We, we want to control the sovereign. We're not going to control the sovereign. He puts us through that and you ladies going through that. Won't you find some other lady in the church that might have had a miscarriage and go sit down with her and love her and comfort her with the same comfort that the Holy Ghost had comforted you? Yeah. That's why he puts us through the suffering, that we might be comforted. Are oh, you getting me? And I said that we might be able to comfort others also. And you've got to look at verse 3 and verse 4 about that. So we cannot comfort others unless we've gone through the suffering ourselves. Uh, two years ago, we were, in, uh, we were in Cleveland, North Carolina, Kim and I, big camp meeting church, man. I mean, when they called a choir, like, come on up here. I mean, everybody got here. Had children on their, on their hip, man, little children, they were just singing snuff coming down. Anyway, <laughs> spitting tobacco in a can, but had a great time, didn't we, there? Man, great, big church, good church. I preached my lungs out, man. But I remember on Sunday morning, after Sunday morning, we were walking out, and the preacher had talked to somebody, and, and he got us there, and there's a beautiful young lady there. She had, I think she had two children, had a small child, and then another one, Kim and I were introduced. We were talking to him. Her name was Kayla, I remember? He said, I want you to talk to her. And she, tears flowing down her face. She said, you don't know how much you helped me today. I said, well, thank you, lady. Praise the Lord. I said, well, what's what's your burden? She said, my husband, a professional ball player with the Kansas City Royals. Tremendous, big, strapling man, healthy. She said, they took him to the hospital, preaching what you said is true. They killed him. You understand that COVID is nothing but Flu, and when we got COVID, the flu went away for some reason. Nobody gets flu anymore. Everything's COVID. And then they take him and they give him a shot. If, if you don't understand this and you don't agree with that, that's fine. Uh, I won't le- lose a half an ounce of sleep over this stuff. But they're giving them shots that would actually end up with the bottom of their lungs ended up being concrete. Then they put them on their stomach and put a respirator on. You can't breathe on your stomach, folks. We're killing people. Simple as that. And they killed that boy. Big old strapling baseball player, knock him over the fence, one of the top guys. And she's sitting there sobbing. She said he was in perfect health. And preacher, they remember, what she said, she said, they called me one day and said, he's coming out of it. We should be able to, he should be coming home tomorrow. She said, within two hours, he's dead. And she's sobbing. I got to thinking, I I tried to help her then. I said, lady, let let me help you with something. And I began to go through some of the suffering and what she's gonna go through and what she can do now for their children. Are y'all weeping now? So this is what we do when we go through suffering. The first thing we wanna do, we wanna go to the preacher and we want comfort from the preacher. Could I help you with something? I pastored the same church 40 years. Preacher can only do so much. We're nothing but flesh. We can give you some nice soothing words but we, not, we cannot take the place of the Holy Ghost of God and the book calls him the comforter. So somewhere, somehow you got to get along, get in that book, like he said, get on your knees and let the comforter come and comfort you. And when he does that, then you're able to seek others for the help that they need in comforting them. So most of the suffering is look, they look for sympathy, we look for sympathy, ourselves instead of the ministry. Are y'all waiting now? Why would God allow you to go through what you're going through without using you to have a ministry? Some of you are looking for ministries. You can have this ministry, the ministry of suffering. You can go and help people is what I'm trying to say. We got a bunch of stinking pew warmers that like to warm seats. They do nothing for God. They're not involved in anything. And the truth of the matter is not all we get older, we can't jump as high, we can't shout, we can't go soul winning as long. But I tell you what, everybody here can have a ministry, especially as we get older. I got so many stinking football injuries. I mean, my legs got even. <laughs> gave out on me and I got, I got second round of limes. My knees gave out on me on, on the at the at the uh, at the, uh, the motel. I almost went down. Terry didn't care. He he laughed at me. I mean, I thought he was a man of compassion, but so was, or oh, was that the wife laughing? I'm not sure. i I think you tripped me. But anyway, I, I'm simply saying that that man. You know, we're looking for sympathy, and that's not what God wants us to do. Let's weep our eyes out, or let's let's. Let's hurt some, but I've never known anybody that God ever used that he didn't hurt first. Y'all better listen to me carefully. God's gonna have to hurt you before he can help you. And God will never, God will never destroy you. But every one of us needs to be humbled. Do You understand nobody's ever got saved until he got humiliated. You gotta humble yourself to come and say, I'm a wicked, vile, hell bent sinner. That's humiliation. And the truth of the matter, is, if God's going to ever use us in any capacity somewhere, we're going to have to be humiliated. I'm simply saying that, boy, it's a humbling thing when we're going through deep water and we say, Dear Lord, whatever you're trying to do in my life, would you please use what I'm going through right now for thy glory and let me have a ministry. And these years I've had a ministry of preachers because of this. Because of some of the suffering I've gone through. But not only that, Brother Andrew, and you have the same thing. Preachers call you. We've been in the ministry long enough where we have, we're ahead of them in ministry. So we've done these things. We've built buildings. We've, we've dealt with people. So they call us about that. But also just in people leaving. I want you all to listen to me carefully, please. Uh, and, and Brother Andrew knows me as good. And of course these guys were members of our church and Brother Jay and Brother Jack, they know I've never, I've never lost one ounce of sleep over money. I've never tossed and turned over finances of Northwest Bible Baptist Church. We gave extreme amount of money away actually. I think if you had to reproduce everything that Northwest has and all the buildings and properties, you look at probably $40 million worth of stuff. Everything was paid for in full by the time I retired the other day. I've never lost sleep over finances. But I spent a lot of time weeping for people. To think that the ones you help the most will hurt you the worst is probably the worst thing in the world that ever happened, preacher. Those are the things that preachers got to get through. The preacher gave a reference of a family that used to sit on the front row and he, I knew who he was talking about. Preacher, it seems like the more we help them, the deeper it hurts. The ones you help the most will hurt you the worst. And it cuts deep. Because that's not why we're helping him. We're helping him that they might stay and God would use him in a great way. You don't understand. If you don't have a pastor's heart, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Well, I don't expect you to understand, but would you please hear me? We want God to bless you so much. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we want the blessing of God on your life. We want the blessing of God on your children. We want all of that. And when we see you walk out of that door, never to come back, You soon take a knife and stick it at just as deep as you can, twist it. I have never lost sleep over money or anything else, creating some problems. People I have. People rebel, people criticize. When (laughs) When you're in leadership position, and you take the scriptures, as the, as, as the preacher said tonight, and you stand upon those scriptures, the problem that you have is not with the preacher, the problem that you have is with the scriptures, if the man is a Bible believing preacher. So my point being that it's amazing that people that you've helped will criticize, get on the internet and absolutely kill you. And it's gotta be true because it's on the internet that's funny. You ought to laugh right there. So we got a bunch of little mice hiding behind a mouse and what they're doing, c- cause they ain't man enough to come face you. I said, they're not man enough to come face you. So they get behind a little computer at, at late at night and then they, they just absolutely character assassinate you. Then you look at them going, man, I paid that, ki- I paid that kid's way through school. I did everything that I knew to do to help that child to make it. And yet there he is on the deal. He's on drugs and he's messing around and he's killing. Those things go deep, man. And it cuts deep. And if you're not willing to go through that suffering and understand that those things will happen in your life, even as a Christian, even Christian, not only a pastor, but a Christian, you're not going to make it around here. Are y'all with me? Here? I personally believe that God's about to separate the sheep and the goats. I personally believe we have already entered into World War III according to Ezekiel 38 and 39. And I believe that then the rapture's gonna take place and then we're gonna go through the seven years and then battle is gonna play, take place. I believe that. And if I'm wrong, I've been wrong before, but I don't think I am in the least. I've been saying that for two years before we ever got into Ukraine. So understand that every, all the actors are on the borders of Israel, right now, every one of them, every actor that you read about in the scriptures are on the borders, including Mr. Putin. So it's just about to take place, and I'm just simply saying that, you know, Tozer said it's very doubtful that God will ever use anyone that He's not has not been hurt deeply. I played a lot of ball in in. Uh, I hated practice. I'm sorry, some of you guys might've loved practice. I hated practice. We're down in Louisiana, of course, you know, you understand that the humidity is so high. I mean, it's August two days are awful, right? The, the humidity is so so bad in Louisiana. You clap your hands over your head and it rains, right? And you almost need gills when you breathe. I mean, it's just it's awful, right? Hated it. I hated it. Blood drills and you know bear crawls and all that stuff, man. And just just I mean hitting. And in my day, we actually hit. We actually tried to take care of the quarterback in good fashion. Now you can't even touch a little sissy. But anyway, because of that, man, I have injuries everywhere. Injuries everywhere. I hated practice, but I sure liked the success on Friday. I liked to play that game. Are you with me? And the practice and the suffering and the sweat you don't mind me getting gross because every night and again, I kind of sense like Pharisees. So I just want to say it. See, th- back in our day, we didn't have a place where the coach was so nice to us that he'd, it's water break time. Gatorade time, boy, never. We didn't have none of that. They'd put them suckers in jail today, man. Man, we'd wipe sweat, you know, stuff. We'd sneak over there and get that rag and squeak that, that, that sweat in our mouth. That's gross, isn't it? I'm glad I did that just to help some of you. Help some of you, Pharisee. Just squeeze that switch. just to get some hydration. we had spit cotton, man. Oh, you with me? Hated it. But man, when game time come, all that we went through was for that time. Could I say this? That all that God will bring you through is for game time, and I, I say that loosely. You know what I'm talking about. Because there's going be to come time when the realities of a life is going to hit you right square in the stinking face. And if you're not ready for it, and you don't understand that he's trying to put you in a ministry, you're going to really, really be suffering. So deep hurt is more than just physical. Sometimes it's emotional, but more than that, when your motive is judged, Preacher, what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to understand some of us older preachers, we've been through that. When people begin to judge your motive, man, that is, that is cutting deep, man, because they don't know our heart. And when a person does that, you really got a problem. I mean, no one knows the suffering and what more about what I'm talking about tonight than Jesus Christ. He was misunderstood, ridiculed, and mocked, gossiped about, spit upon, slapped in the face, cursed and laughed at, and embarrassed, suffered pain, real pain, wept over dear loved ones and loved ones who had forsaken him. Jesus was betrayed by his closest friend, Judas, the treasure of the whole group, sold him out. Are oh, y'all wait with me now. You, you look at the life of Jesus Christ. He suffered. That's why he said the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Those that you love the most will hurt you the worst. The nights of weeping. My first wife, Carla, made this statement quite a few times. Never told Kim, never told Kim. But she told me. She said, sweetheart, what goes on at night with you? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, you wake me up sometime crying in your sleep. Crying in your sleep, what, who does that? Uh, almost every morning I wake up at four o'clock. I don't know why. I don't want to wake up at four o'clock, but I do. And I begin to pray at that time. But, but she says, I, you, you cry in your sleep. What, what are you doing? It's some of the hurt and the pain that God will put you through that you just got to handle. We don't have men anymore that take it on the chin and go, go for God, raising a bunch of little sissies and fundamentalism have become very, very effeminate. It's a shame. But somewhere God is gonna do something in you so powerful. But when I think about my Lord, nobody was messed with as much as he was. Brother Angel, we, we fly a lot, of, you know, all those years, right? And I've been in time, I've done the, 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 red, the red eye, the, the red eye, and sometimes just weep all the way home, just looking out the window at all the lights and just weep all the way home, thinking about people that I've helped the most. Some of the people, I don't wanna get into some of the illustrations, I really don't, but I got some precious people that I love dearly. They're gone, they're gone, just absolutely gone. Can't tell you what we've done for them can't tell you some preachers and evangelists how much I have done. And threw forth, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars trying to help them. Didn't do it for no pat on the back. Didn't know it for recognition. And most people don't even know who I'm talking about, but I've done it around the country. Only for those guys to just absolutely. And it don't make sense. And sometimes you sit back and you said, man, what in the world? Why did they do that? Could I say this? And you must understand something that the devil is real, the adversary he talked about is real. And sometimes he enters into a person, give them that bad spirit he talked about today, and all of a sudden they do things they don't, I don't think they really understand what they're doing. But I'm simply saying that somewhere, somehow, we need to understand that people are going to do that. And God wants to give you a ministry to help others through that. So when a preacher calls me and says, Man, I had some folks that absolutely. Preacher, they they ripped my heart out. I mean, I love these people. I can then talk to them about that. I remember one time I got home and a preacher called me and he said, Preacher, I just got back from vacation. It was snowing up north. He said, When I pulled up in my driveway of the parsonage, they had my entire house packed, all of our belongings, and set by the mailbox, and it had this much snow on all of our beginning, all of our belongings. I said, Preacher, you've got to be kidding. He said, No, sir. He said, they never said they wanted to fire me. They never said they going He said, it was obvious what they were doing. They told me to leave. That preacher was sobbing on the phone. I got to thinking, man, how dirty is that? But that happens a lot of times. And I was able to help that brother. I'm simply saying that we need to understand. I got to hasten. The second thing I want to say is that we need, we, 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 that, that we might, not trust in ourselves. Why does he give us those ministers of suffering? That we not, might not trust in ourselves. Look at verse nine, if you would please. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. Look, look at me, listen. God wants us to run out of soul. We, we got too much of ourselves. We're too self-reliant. Do you understand that? dope addicts and drug addicts and alcoholics and prostitutes, they're bad advertisement for Satan. Satan wants people to live independent of God Almighty. That's it. Are y'all listening now? God wants us not to trust in ourselves, but trust in him in all things. And that's what the preacher preached a while ago. He wants us to run out of soap, run out of our self-reliance, In the United States of America, we're always talking about pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're more interested in NASDAQ and Wall Street and our little financial uh, empire that we built. We're so into materialism that just in short order, it's gonna take one phone call from Washington and everything we have is gone. Now, what you gonna do? You're gonna run out of soap. (laughs) You better make sure that you trust in the living God. He wants us to end ourselves. And God is not interested in what you're going through half as much as how you're gonna come out when it's all said and done. When you through with the suffering, God wants to know, did you learn the lesson that I tried to teach you that you might get help others? And it's interesting our attitude and what we have left after he's through with us and our suffering in the trial. Are y'all weeping tonight? I hope that you're making the mental and spiritual leap of Job when he got through with all that he went through. The funeral of 10 of his precious children and lost his entire wealth. And the man still had a good attitude and loved the God with all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his soul. You know, his friends came, they didn't have cell phones, but his friends came from different places and they sat down in the ash heap while he was scraping the serve balls. They never opened their mouth. read, I think it was seven days, never opened their mouth. That's friends, brother. A friend is one that'll show up when you're going through adversity. And they sat there for seven days and then they become Baptist in chapter four. <laughs> and they began to accuse him You're going through this because you're a sinner. You're wicked. You look look at it, and then for the rest of Job, and I don't know. Preachers can help me with this. The rest of Job, it seems like he's defending himself against those men. Then finally you get over there, and God tells him, if you read Job right, then God tells him, shut up, Job. You talk too much. Put your hand over your mouth. Tell me. And he began to question Job about creation. Job couldn't answer him. Job said, I, I, I repent and sack sackcloth and ashes. I'm sorry. And then he started praying for his friends. God gave him twice as much. Are you with me now? Job went through that, that he might be a blessing and help to others. I'm simply saying, folks, that God wants us to run out of soap. We need to understand the songs that we sing. I'll be through in a minute. Just listen. The songs that we sing. Preacher, thank you for the good music. I hope we listen. Sometimes we sing it out of memory, but we do, really don't adopt the word. Let me tell you what happened when I lost my first wife. Every spiritual song we ever sung for all those years became so meaningly, meaningful to me. Before we just sang it, but they became meaningful to me. How firm a foundation. Ye saints of the Lord, as laid in your faith in his excellent word, what more can he say than to you he hath to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. Fear not, I am with thee, O, oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and I will give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my gracious, omnipotent hand. Through, when Through deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, For I will be with thee thy trials to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials their pathway pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flames shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy goal to refine. When God brings you through those suffering, what he's trying to do is get the best of you. And the truth of the matter what suffering will do will either either bring out the best or the absolute worst. You'll find out what you really are when you go through suffering. So the third thing I wanna say quickly is we learn to give thanks in all things. Look at verse 11, if you would please. Ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gifts bestowed upon us, By the means of many persons, thanks be given by many on your behalf. It's hard to thank God when you're going through those times. Are are y'all with me, folks? Please. I don't want to bore you with this. I'm just trying to tell you what some of the things that God allowed me to go through. I mean, when you walk into a room, when you get a phone call, when you're up in, up in, up, way up in almost Canada with your staff, taking them fishing and the entire staff, large staff, and when you come out where you got phone service, And you get a phone call from a preacher friend down to California. And he said, Brother Gomez, you need to call me immediately. Your son has had an accident. And I called and he said, Preacher, they're trying to harvest your son's organs. When he said that folks, I literally melted. My knees got weak. I said, do what? He said, your son hit a tree on a motorcycle doing about hundred miles an hour. He scraped some of his brain off the concrete. They put him on a flight, took him to Sacramento. cut his scalp, brought it up on his chin and put his head together with titanium plates and screws. We flew there and by the time I got back to Elgin, caught a jet, went over there. Are y'all with me? This actually happened. I'm not giving you some illustration that may not be true. And me and my first wife walked in and I laid hands on that boy. I got pictures, you want to see the picture. If you want to be grossed out, you see me after I'll show you. gross my boy it's my baby boy head all up stitches everywhere and me and mama went up and laid our hands on him and said lord we thank you for giving him to us for these years how do you thank god for something like that but lord if you'd just give him to us a few more years we'd appreciate it Because he was done. They said he was done. He was going to die, no doubt doubt about it. I said this recently, preacher, that there's a woman there, a nurse. We witnessed all the nurses and doctors, and the nurse there, she said, I'm born again, preacher. I'm, I'm saved. 50 days later, that boy walked out just like this. He walked out of that hospital just like this, and that lady, that nurse just stared at him, and she looked at us. She wrote me a card. I still have it somewhere. And she said, I I, I experienced a miracle. she said, I get them off the top, off the flight all the time, the helicopter. I know who lives and who doesn't. And most of them have motorcycle wrecks, never make it. And your son for sure was never gonna make it. Mike Johnson was there. He said, preacher, when I was at the ICU where he had the wreck, he said, the entire floor of ICU was that much blood all over it. Every white towel was red. Now they put him on a plane or a helicopter, similar that, that woman said he was done. She said, I watched a miracle walk out of that hospital 50 days later, and in that note, she said, I just want you to know, preacher, that I watched a miracle of two God-fearing people that came and thanked God for what went on and asked God to give him a few more days, and I saw a miracle. I want you to know that I've, I've now retired early from the hospital, and I'm gonna be a medical missionary now across the world and she left and went to be a missionary. Think about that for just a moment. See, that's what happens when God gives you a ministry and people are watching you very carefully. I I, got to wrap this up. And so we need to understand that you can't thank him until you comfort others, until you do the first two things I said, to comfort others and then not trust yourself. Then and only then can you obey 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and everything giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you you need to understand that these sufferings are for your good and for God's glory. This is not a ringtail sermon. It's not ringing the chimes. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to give you some reality of some of you in the short order is gonna end up in a place where you never thought you would ever be. And I'm trying to get you some facts that when that time comes, somewhere, somehow, you're gonna have to report to duty and said, Lord, I don't understand it all. You don't have to explain it all to me. But when you said give thanks in all things, I'm giving you thanks. Folks, it's hard to give God thanks when you're going through that, but he commands you to do that because in all things we're to give him thanks. That's a hard thing to do. Turn to Isaiah chapter 43, if you would please. Isaiah chapter 43. I saw this and read this this morning and I thought it was interesting and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be done in just a second here. I want you to see it in Isaiah 43. Are you there? Pick it up in verse one, look at it. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he had formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Aren't you glad that God knows your name and you belong to him? Watch it. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall flames kindle upon thee. Look at verse three, for I am the Lord, thy God. Folks, when you go through the deep waters, he's right there with you. Are y'all listening? Standing in the shadows right there. Preacher's not always available, but the Lord's always available. Are you with me now? And so it's one thing to go through the suffering. It's another thing when you're absolutely immersed in it as we were, and then hear your wife drown her own body fluids. I remember this, she she came to grips with it, and it's it's an amazing thing, because the reason you're here is because you're not dead, right? But people that are dying, We doping them up so much in the hospital, we're not getting their testimonies of dying saints anymore. They're too loopy, but she was not quite that way. She went home, she didn't want any IV, she didn't want to eat, she didn't want nothing. All she wanted is every now and again, some pain for the cancer she had. Because of that, her eyes became as crystal clear, blue, beautiful. She's in a a bed, snowflakes coming down this big around in Elgin. Brother Angel, I don't know if you you came there and saw, but there was flowers. Kim was there. She was friends with my daughter and, and my wife. There was flowers on three floors of our home, every square inch, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of big bouquets of flowers from all over the world. She's looking at that snow falling. She's laying in bed and she looks at me. She said, this is a beautiful day, isn't it? I'm looking at I said, I mean, I'm, I'm dying inside and she's saying how beautiful it is. And I said, why do you say that? She said, listen, I'm living my funeral. I said, explain. She said, smell the flowers. Look at the snow outside. She said, who gets to live their funeral? This is wonderful. I'm good with this. I was not good with it. At all. I want you to turn, please, and I want somebody at the piano right now. I want you to turn in your songbooks to number 426. We want to read this, and I want you to—that's the problem. We 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 sing songs and we really don't take them to heed. I want you to I want you to look at it, because folks, God doesn't owe any of us any explanation about anything. Are y'all whipping now? No explanation. He don't have to tell you why about anything. That's why you got to trust him. That's why I say we got to run out of soap.